Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back, everyone, to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me today is a special guest by the name of Mark Graben. And you already know me, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, the founder and host of GEMS Podcast. But it's not about me. It's about my guest, Mark, today. And let me tell you a little bit about Mark so you can get comfortable with what's coming next. Mark Graben is author of award-winning book, Lean Hospitals, Improving Quality, Patient Safety, and Employee Engagement. Mark is also co-author with Joe Swartz of Healthcare Kaizen, or Kaizen, Engaging Frontline, Kaizen, thank Mm -hmm. you, Engaging Frontline Staff in Suitable Continuous Improvements and the Executive Guide to Healthcare Kaizen. His most recent book is Measures of Success, React Less, Lead Better, Improve More. He is also the creator and editor of the anthology book, Practicing Lean. He serves as a consultant to organizations through his company, Constancy Incorporated, and also through the firm Value Capture. He is also a senior advisor to the technology company, Kai Nexus. He has focused on healthcare improvement since 2005 after starting his career in industry at General Motors, Dell, and Honeywell, some of the big companies you all heard of. Mark is the host of the podcast, including Lean Blog Interviews, My Favorite Mistake, and Habitual Excellence, presented by Value Capture. Mark holds a BS in industrial engineering from Northwestern University and an MS in mechanical engineering and a MBA from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. That's MIT, y'all. Leaders for Global Operations Program. So man, 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 you are going (laughs) to be hearing from a subject matter expert today, and we're going to be learning from our mistakes. So without further ado, (laughs) put your hands together and welcome Mark Graben. (laughs) Hi, Genesis. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for the, the introduction. My pleasure, Mark. And wow, Yowza, you have done a lot. So we will have a lot to talk about. So Mark, I definitely want to give the audience a chance to get to know you in a fun and personal way. So there are two options you can choose from. We can break the ice up front or play a rapid fire 10 question game. So what are you in the mood for? let's let's go with rapid fire okie dokie we're playing rapid fire with mark and genesis (laughs) question number one if you can recreate or change any significant moment in your life what would it be and why oh gosh let's see if i can give a rapid fire answer that's a pretty heavy question um I'll say when I left my first job at General Motors to go to MIT, um, all things being equal, maybe I should have stayed on that job one year longer at GM, but 
Um, if I hadn't gone to MIT then, and I hadn't taken that job at Dell, and I wouldn't have met my wife. So I, I, I don't want to change that. So that that's a tough one, right? Because I think about were, were, were any of these major decisions a mistake? Um, here, well, no, here, here's the one I would change. I would have, I, I quit Dell Computer to join a startup after about 20 months. I should have maybe stuck it out at Dell a little bit longer because I, I ended up having to repay some uh, signing bonus and relocation expenses. I, I should have been a little more patient. Mm, okay. I'll, I'll give more rapid answers to the other questions, hopefully. <laughs> no worries. Question two, if you could have lunch or dinner with any person, past or present, who would it be? Um, well, I'll, p- I'll pick somebody who might seem obscure to a lot of people, but would be meaningful to me. Um, Dr. W. Edwards Deming, he passed away in 1993, but he's you know a famed quality guru. I've read his books. I've seen videos of him, deeply influential I've never had a chance to meet him and I, I wish I could have. Question three, coffee, tea, or what's your drink of choice? Coffee. Question four, if you could go back in time and give younger Mark a piece of advice, mm-hmm. what would it be? Learn, learn, learn to be more patient without losing the drive to move forward and make things better, like trying to find that balance. There, there are times I've gotten in trouble for maybe not being patient enough with others or even with myself. Question five, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? <laughs> um, uh, gosh, um, Maybe I'd take um, super strength as long as that didn't make my lower back problems any worse as a result. <laughs> Is it a superpower to not have middle-aged lower back pain? I'll take that. I aim low now when it comes to superpowers. Question six. You just came across a windfall of cash. However, to get the remainder of the proceeds released to you, you must co- contribute to three charities of your choice first. So what charities are you contributing to? Um, so for one, I would probably donate to some sort of scholarship fund um, related to, to MIT and STEM careers, um, in particular for, for girls. Um, secondly, I would, I, would dev- I would donate to uh, a nonprofit that I'm on the board of, it's called the Louise H. Batts Patient Safety Foundation. Um, and then a third organ, I would donate to uh, the Marine Mammal Care Center um, near Los Angeles, um, a place my wife and I have visited. They rescue and take care of and release um, sea lions and seals and otters and animals like that. It's um, amazing work that they do. And those, those animals are super cute. Amazing. Seven. Okay, here's a good one. You and your wife had just won an all expense paid getaway. You mm. may not be able to return back to your home base because the pilots are on strike and not flying back for some time. <laughs> so where are you headed? <laughs> um, I, I would say Japan. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind getting stuck in Japan for a while. There's a lot of places I wouldn't mind getting stuck in, but um, I've been able to go to Japan for work five times. My wife's only been there 
very briefly as part of a business trip. So I, I want to go to uh, take her to Japan on vacation mode. Oh, super cool. And it's all expense paid. Yeah. <laughs> Question eight. With so many things going on in the world, what makes Mark a wild card factor and remain true to yourself? Um, I'm willing to take on uphill battles. And sometimes that gets frustrating. Again, this comes back to the question of patience and finding a balance between passion and uh, trying to drive change. Um, but but yeah, I haven't given up on taking on uphill battles of, of different types and maybe we'll explore that more. And question nine. So I want you to think about something crazy that you have done in your life and share that. Something crazy. I don't, I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't associate myself with doing uh, wild and crazy things. Um, well, maybe my, I, well uh, my, my, my wife's more adventurous that way. She uh, did a tandem skydive jump um, with uh, the, the army golden knights. And I, I stood on the ground um, kind of anxiously <laughs> awaiting her safe landing. I trusted the army golden knights. Um, I didn't have the opportunity to go. Um, I'd like to think I would have said yes. And that would have been my wild and crazy thing, but I, I do admire her uh, ability to do something kind of wild like that. Super cool. And 10, it's our pass or play question. And here are the rules. If you pass, our roles are reversed and you get to ask me a question. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play? I'll play. Okie dokie. This is an easy one. Favorite color? Purple. Amazing. <laughs> and thank you for playing rapid fire with Genesis, Mark. So audience, sure I hope... <laughs> I hope you got to learn a little bit more about Mark and his fun side. Now we're going to dive into the work that he's doing. So he has a show called My Favorite Mistakes, and he's helping people learn from their mistakes without feeling guilty, having that remorse or shame, because if we never learn from our mistakes, can we truly say that we're growing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Mark, what prompted you to launching your show, My Favorite Mistakes? Yeah, well, and, and that's that's a really great summary that you gave Genesis, and you know, and thank you for you know our first connection was you being a guest on uh, my favorite mistake. You know, there, there's a couple of things that sort of came together that led to the launch of the podcast. In um, you know, the first episodes were released um, September 2020. Um, we'll call it. You know, you mentioned earlier in the intro that I've done other podcasts. I started my first podcast um, kind of with a clunky name probably a mistake, but I'm stuck with the name, uh, the, the Lean Blog Interviews Podcast. It was an offshoot of my blog. I started doing interviews. I, I, I don't know. You know uh, the, name's, um, the name is what it is. But I started that podcast in 2006, and I've done almost 450 episodes in that podcast series. So it's probably been on average every two weeks for uh, 16 years. Um, when you've had a podcast for a while, you, you start getting um, pitches from PR firms or podcast guest bookers who say, well, you know, so-and-so would like to be a guest on your podcast. And because my original, my older podcast was pretty niche, like people who are interested in things like Toyota 
and uh, what we call lean manufacturing and healthcare improvements and lean startups and, and, and related things, you know, it's pretty niche. And a lot of times I would have to say, well, no, I'm sorry. You know, the person you've proposed sounds like a great guest. I would love to interview them, but it just doesn't fit in this podcast. And so I got kind of tired of saying no to interesting people. And in, you know, that first summer of the pandemic, I was working from home. I was looking for some um, new things to keep myself occupied. And one of these um, guest uh, PR people proposed Kevin Harrington, who was one of the sharks on season one of Shark Tank. And I, re that I really started thinking like, I, I've got to find a way to say yes. And I think maybe that's a life lesson there, right? It's a mistake to just say no, instead of trying to figure out a way to say yes. So I was trying to figure out what, what kind of format for a broader show would allow me to say yes. So then, you know, the, 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 the idea of learning from mistakes is something I've been fascinated with for a while. That book, Practicing Lean, that I wrote with 15 other authors, that's really all about reflecting on mistakes that we made in early years of our career for, for the sake of, of learning and kind of demonstrating to others, you know, hey, people you might view as accomplished, you know, they, they, everybody makes mistakes and to admit that and to acknowledge that. So that idea was in my head. And so I asked the PR people, what do you think of, uh, what do you think of an idea, uh, a show about mistakes? And I, I love the Sheryl Crow song, My Favorite Mistake. And so that's where the, I think that's a better title than my Lean Blog Interviews podcast. So those, th those things kind of all came together. And Kevin Harrington thankfully said, yeah, I'd, I'd love I, you know, to talk about a mistake. And, and he came on and told a great story about a mistake he made. You know, he's the inventor of the, um, you know, the 30 minute infomercial basically. And he shared a mistake that kind of, you know, early on in his career, um, completely cut off his cash flow and could have put himself and his company out of business. And I appreciate and, and I, I so greatly admire when somebody that successful is willing to share a story of a mistake they made, not blaming others, but recognizing the mistake and their part in it and um, sharing what they did to learn and adjust moving forward. So I think, you know, one of the key themes, um, you know, with the podcast is, you know, we all make mistakes. It's better if we learn from those mistakes and avoid repeating those mistakes. And Kevin Harrington was gracious enough to be the first to share his story. That is amazing. And I, and I love the fact that you said, I got to think of a way to say yes and make it work. And you thought about something that was so practical because we all make mistakes, whether we want to, you know, own up to our mistakes or not, but it's our mistakes, which come from, you know, the mess that we endure, but it's the mess that curates our message for us to put out into the world to help mm -hmm. other people. And I love the fact that Kevin Harrington came on and shared because then people could see it from his perspective, even though he was successful he does make mistakes because there are a ton of successful people that never get out in the open and talk about their mistakes so people see them one way on the platform and they put them on a pedestal but they have to realize that they've had those start ugly moments mm -hmm. they've had failures they've had moments where they had to go without paying themselves mm -hmm. they've had moments where you know they may have lost a crap ton of money mm -hmm. and they had to start all the way over so we're gonna um go back and forth here so now now that we know about Kevin Harrington and we know a little background into my favorite mistake podcast, I want you to share one of your favorite mistakes and how has it helped you personally as well as professionally? Mm 
So, you know, I think back to um, kind of the early years of, of my career. Um, this was back when I was still working for manufacturing companies. So I was working at Honeywell. And even though, you know, I had experience with these lean manufacturing approaches starting, you know, with my time in the automotive industry, um, but coming in the Honeywell, they, they had a training and certification program that they still wanted me to go through. And, you know, I'm not the type who would turn that down. Well, I couldn't turn it down, but I, I happily accepted that opportunity because you know, I, I, there, there's always something to learn. I think that growth mindset is, you know, an important thing to have. So I, I was going through this education and this program and sort of deepening my understanding on some of these methodologies. And I had to do a certification project as part of this. And, well, you know, I think the mistake I made was not fully engaging the frontline production team members in the project that I was assigned to do. So, you know, I, I created a, a you know, and, and there's, there's great lesson to be learned from this, I think. I, cre I created a technical solution um, that, that, was, that was technically correct and it would have been helpful and it would have solved a meaningful business problem, but nobody used it. Nobody used what I had created. And I take some ownership of, or there was that lesson learned of having the right technical solution is never enough. You have to help people accept change. I'm not blaming people for not accepting my change because the problem was it was very much my change, not our change or not their change that I was coaching them through. You know, and I say I take some ownership of that. I mean, some of what I was battling against, I think, was the culture of the organization. It was not a culture that uh, it was it was a culture that encouraged individual efforts, specialists, experts, technical people. It wasn't a culture where I would have been would have been allowed to shut down production for a day to work with the team and have them be involved. So I was, you know, I was, I was swimming uphill against that culture. Maybe I should have fought harder to say, hey, this isn't going to be worth my time or anybody's time if we don't more fully engage and involve the team members. Uh, but, you know, I think part of my takeaway from that was trying not to be in a position like that, not, not putting myself in a position like that again. And working as a consultant, I have, you know, the ability, if somebody's asking me to come in and do change to somebody, um, I'm going to, I'm going to say no to that. Um, I want to work with people. And, you know, I think that that was part of my progression, even though like, I, I knew I had that sting in the back of my neck that said, you've got to be engaging people. This isn't really going to, it's not going to be accepted. This change isn't going to be sustainable. Uh, when I talk about uphill battles. Maybe I should have fought that, that one harder. Um, but it was definitely a lesson that I've carried forward in my career. I do not want to put myself in that position again. And now, you know, I think of work that I'm doing right now, uh, it involves working with clients where we are engaging the people who do the work. And that leads to not just better solutions, but solutions that are um, much, much more likely to be accepted and to last. That is amazing. And one thing that stood out as you were sharing that story, Mark, and me being able to resonate with Honeywell, because it's kind of similar to one of the oil and gas companies that I work with, because they could be very um, conservative when it comes to risk, risk management and mm -hmm. risk aversion. So it was like, 
I would say you have to partner the MOC, which is management of change Mm -hmm. with COC, which is culture of change. And Mm -hmm. the two have to come together in order for synergies to really take place and then really build out that COE, which is that center of expertise, or some people Mm -hmm. say center of excellence, in order to make sure that everyone feels seen and heard and they have the buy-in to want to do the work. Because you know, if I came up with the idea and I said, this would be really good, but the people who are out running the unit and the chemical plant don't see the vision, they're not going to want to do it because one thing right. that you never want to do is shut down a chemical plant because that's million dollars a day that's out the door. And when I, this young whippersnapper, when I got in there, I was like, Hey, why don't we do this? And one lady told me, are you crazy? Do you think that it's wise to shut down a chemical plant? We have so many products and grade wheels that we're running. So then that's whenever I was like, oh, well, if they would just do the MOC plus the COC, then we could really have a COE. (laughs) (laughs) But it takes everyone coming together. And until someone sees your vision, they're not going to want to jump on the bandwagon because they're like, what's in it for me to make this change whenever we've already been doing this. But the mm-hmm. way you're doing something may not be you know, effective or efficient because times have changed and there's new technology right. where you could do something quicker and then you could begin to outsource that and work on your own zone of genius. Yeah. Well, in, in the environment I was in was, uh, you know, par- uh, parts assembly, right? So that's much easier to shut down than a chemical process would be. It's much easier to start back up than a chemical process would be. Um, you know, we, we could have built up inventory um, to then allow us to shut down for four hours or for eight hours. We we could have absorbed that, but it's just... it. It wasn't the culture. I, I I would get told, "Hey, this is your uh, certification. This is your project. You need to go do it." And so I'm like, "Well, I, I got certified. I have a plaque on the wall, but um, you know, it should have. I, I wish it would have driven you know more more improvement and change for the business. Some of that's on me. Some of that was, I think, the culture and the management of that company at that time. And that was that was almost 20 years ago. So maybe things have changed." Wow. And it's so important, um, too, that you said some of it was on you and some of it um, was on the culture at that time, because whenever we make mistakes, we have to take ownership of our mistakes and don't be in denial, because that Mm -hmm. is also going to help us grow. But sometimes when people face mistakes, they want to point the fingers and look at other people whenever it may not necessarily be someone else's fault. It could be a joint effort. So take Mm -hmm. ownership of what went wrong and just learn from it so you don't have to rinse and repeat when it comes to that mistake. So when you think about the success of your podcast and you hear all these different stories of mistakes, is there one story that stood out to you where you learned from their mistakes? Because we can very well learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to learn um, from different guests. I mean, I I think there's value in like learning from the specific mistake, um, you know, but let's say a guest who had a chiropractic business where their first attempt failed because of some marketing challenges or marketing mistakes or leadership mistakes. And then they learned from that and were successful the second time. Like I'm, I'm never going to go open a chiropractic practice. I need to be going to one more often as a patient because of uh, the back problems maybe. But, you know, I think 
the, 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 the one high level takeaway I hope people get from it is the value in talking about mistakes, the value that comes from that, like reflecting as individuals that can lead to professional growth. And, um, but I think it's even more powerful than when as leaders, we create that culture that makes it safe for people to talk about mistakes. So I think one of the lessons, so here's, here's, here's a more direct answer to your question. You know, the lesson that comes from um, CEOs or other senior leaders who, who say they lead by example. When they share their mistakes with their employees, that's powerful. Um, that doesn't give people carte blanche to go do whatever they want, right? You know, without ever having any repercussions. But when there's an honest mistake where we thought we were making a good decision and then we learn something and it turns out, oh, okay. If we could go back in time, we would have decided differently. That that's a mistake. That's not worth punishing anybody over, um, because all that does is drive people to hide mistakes, and then we can't we can't learn and grow as individuals or organizations. So you know, I I think there's there again there's two pieces. Like one is like people who demonstrate the strength and the humility to be willing to share a mistake, their ability to learn from that mistake, and then like their ability to create a culture. Because it's going to move an organization forward when we're we're able to be open about mistakes, so we can talk about them, we can diagnose what happened, what we've learned from it, and what we would do differently moving forward. That's that. Those are, I think, the main things that are reinforced with me, and um, you know, I hope my listeners come to share that view or have that view strengthened. And I could really respect that sentiment because I think organizations that celebrate mistakes and say oh, sorry that that happened to you, but what do you think that you could have done to prevent this from happening? Is there anything that your colleagues could have done or we could have done as an organization? And they celebrate that mistake, which mm-hmm. may, which means that individual doesn't feel bad about making the mistake. And to your point, they will come forward next time a mistake is made and they will have that full ownership. And then we will debrief together to see what could have been done to mitigate that from happening. Because maybe Maybe it's something in the process that needs to be changed. Maybe it's something that we didn't fully um, do in the onboarding when that individual came into the organization Uh or the team that we need to look at because things have changed or et cetera. So just make it a conversation and make it like a 360 feedback where that individual is giving feedback, but then they're also getting feedback in a non-judgmental way, but in Uh a way where they're able to really thrive. And then um, Mark, are there any other tips or tricks that you want to share that I may not have asked or you think would add value to this before we jump into the call to action? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's 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 a need for balance, right? So we want to reflect about mistakes without dwelling on them. You know, a couple of, of my guests have made that point really well. There's a certain point where you need to put it behind you. But, you know, uh, I think one definition of a favorite mistake is that whether we want to or not, um, we, we remember it. It sticks with us. And, and hopefully it drives us in some positive way. Like the point is not to beat ourselves up or to feel bad about it forever, but to, you know, maybe be inspired um, and, and remember the lessons so we can avoid repeating it. And I, and I think there's also a need for balance. Like we can celebrate well, yeah, that that's an interesting word. We can we can honor the mistake, right? Because you know, we we it it 
mistakes are going to happen. Like it's, it, it, that's, um, I think something on one level we have to, to accept. It might not be great that the mistake happened, but what's worse is not learning from the mistake, right? So when companies go into, you know, uh, punishment mode, you know, if you could just fire all the mistake prone people, well, like that, that life's not that simple. Um, there, there's a balance though, between reacting to mistakes and learning from them and improving processes and systems. Like you said, Genesis, there's also a time to be proactive and to anticipate what mistakes could be made. And instead of just asking people to be superheroes. So maybe this would have been a, a better answer to your superhero question. My superpower would have been, I never make mistakes. I don't know if that's a fun comic book or a fun Marvel movie. Um, but, you know, um, we, we, we have to be proactive. And this is where I think, you know, as an engineer, you're taught to think through what could go wrong. And don't just tell people, okay, well, here, there's a risk that you might give this wrong medication to a patient. So don't do that. Like, that's not going to be effective. We need to use lessons that come from Toyota and, and the, the lean manufacturing methodology, you know, we would refer to as mistake proofing. How do we have a good process where it's literally impossible to give the wrong patient the wrong medicine? That's more effective than telling people to be careful and then punishing them when sort of the predictable expected bad thing finally happens in a poorly designed or a poorly managed system. So um, trying to find balance, and maybe that's a lesson that comes from um, you know other fields or other disciplines. You know, we, we don't want to have... Uh, an extreme view um, one way or another. Um, let, let's not um, like, you know, a final thought on this. Um, like when we talk about human error, like sometimes I get frustrated when people will say the root cause of some sort of problem was human error and they throw their hands up and say, well, what can you do? People are imperfect. People are going to make mistakes. I'm like, well, yes, that's true. But what we can do about it is not hiring perfect people, what we can do about it is, as you said in asking this question, um, what we can do is error-proof, we can improve systems, we can improve training, we can improve supervision, we can improve systems so that errors are either impossible or for, far less likely to occur. Because if we just throw up our hands and say, well, human error, well, then we're, we're doomed to have that error repeated if, uh, if that's our response. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that, Mark. And now let's jump into the call to action as we wind down. So what is your call to action today for our audience? Well, one would be if you know people are interested in the podcast, um, you, they can search whatever podcast app or um, service that they're, they're listening um, here. Uh, they, they can go and search uh, for My Favorite Mistake Podcast, or they can go on the web, My Favorite Mistake Podcast. Uh, dot com. So um, I, I hope people continue listening to Genesis and the Gems podcast, but and maybe you can also listen to my favorite mistake. Amazing. And one thing I want to say, if I could be on the lookout, because Mark has an amazing book that will be hitting the market soon and some other things he's working on in the back end. So I don't know if you want to plug that too, Mark. Well, it's, it's a very early preview plug. I hope it's going to be an amazing book. Uh, that is my goal. Um, writing a book with the, the lessons from, you know, I've interviewed um, at this point, I think about 180 people. 
with their stories and, and pulling together common themes and lessons learned for people. Um, so I'm working on that book that'll probably, you know, take me through the rest of this year. Um, so I'm thinking uh, it should be available early 2023. And um, I don't know what I'll call the book yet. Like, I, I think my favorite mistake has been a good name for the podcast. I'm still trying to figure out what to call the book. And I, I've just barely started the writing. Um, but I'm, I'm committed to that project. So talking about it publicly is uh, one way of strengthening my commitment to, uh, to keep going. Amazing. And then Mark, I know you already plugged your website, but are there any social media platforms that you hang on, um, hang out on primarily that you want to share? Uh, probably the most important is LinkedIn. Um, so if people want to uh, just search my name, Mark Raven on LinkedIn, um, that's probably the best. The, to me, that's the uh, professional social network of choice these days. And that, that's changed a lot, right? LinkedIn has become less of a resume website and more of a also being uh, a social network. So I would say, uh, come find me there. Amazing. And all of Mark's uh, contact information will be in the show notes, y'all. So scroll on down, read and tap in with Mark. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe to the podcast. We're on 40 plus platforms. And I also want to thank each one of you for tuning in on a regular basis to support the guests that I bring into the GEMS ecosystem, as well as myself, because of you, we're now ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com. So thank each one of you. And if you're interested in becoming a brand sponsor, you can find out more info by heading on over to genesisamarskemp.net or sending me an email at genesisamarskemp at gmail.com. So until the next guest, next episode, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.